Welcome to All Things Erie from Erie PA. I'm Kathy, your host, and today we're going to talk about a hometown murder that happened in Titusville, PA, which is a little bit farther south east of Erie, PA. But before we get into our case today, I want to let you all know that this coming week we have launched our new cover photo for our podcast. So please go to the platforms and take a peek at it. And those platforms are Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and our Twitter accounts, which are Podbean, Facebook, and Spotify, which is at All Things Erie from Erie PA, and Twitter and Instagram is at K A T H Y B R D L Y. I hope you enjoy it. I know I do, and a lovely friend designed it for me. Her name is Kira, and she's a host of a wonderful podcast called Murder or More. If you like true crime, by all means, take a pop over and listen to some of her podcasts. Not only listen to her podcast, if you are really into some true crime, take a listen to this podcast. If you like listening to All Things Eerie from Eerie PA, then why don't you try It's Murder Up North. This podcast focuses on crimes that happen in the north of England. Jenny, your host, gives you a great insight that on crimes that have happened in the north of England. That's It's Murder Up North. Why don't you pop over and give it a try? Let's begin for our case here. I want to be upfront about this piece. It was very hard to find articles about this particular person. I only have a couple of reference pieces to go by, and I will reference them in the podcast, and obviously they will be on my Facebook. This is a story, not a case. The case has been solved and has been solved for a very long time. As a matter of fact, when this happened, I was only in the fourth grade. So if it even made it to the news when I had lived a couple of hours south of here, it would have barely registered with me. Not because I didn't think it was important, but because of my age. I was oblivious to most things around me. If it didn't touch my circle of bubble, I didn't pay attention. But this did touch a lot of people in their lives. Rachel McFarlane was a kind and sweet person who never saw anything bad in anyone and didn't have a mean bone in her body. And unfortunately, that would be her downfall. Rachel's neighbors did look out for her, but they did fear that one day that would catch up to her. But little did they all know that it would be from someone that it was closer than they thought. At this point in the podcast, I was supposed to have a interview with one of Rachel's friends. It was supposed to be Mrs. Marska. A person who reached out to me was Michelle Marska McNally. She is the person who reached out to me about Rachel's story. At this point, we would do a shout out for her on the podcast. However, our schedules just did not line up. And unfortunately, we we do not have the interview. However, the information that I got about Rachel's case mainly came from Michelle McNally. And I want to say thank you. I would not have been able to get as much information as I had if it was not 
for Michelle getting a newspaper that her mother had saved for all these years about Rachel. So again, I want to say thank you to Michelle and to her mother for being so kind and getting the information for me and emailing it to me about Rachel. So again, thank you. And and as I said, it is unfortunate that our schedules did not meet up, but this story is very special to them as they knew Rachel. So as we begin into this, I would like to talk about trust. And trust is a little word, but it has great meaning to it. Although there are only four letters to that little word, but it can have such a huge impact upon your life and those around you. Who do you trust and with what? We trust banks with our money. We trust schools and daycares with our children with hopes that nothing will happen. And those are one of our most precious people in our life, along with if we need to have nursing care for our elderly. But when you think about those that we have very little contact in our day-to-day life, and yet they are at your home every day, how much do you trust them? Now, back in the day, we had a milkman, a fuller brush man who had the best pudding mixtures that I had ever tasted. And these people came into our homes to deliver their products because we trusted them. There were a couple of others, but those were the ones that I remember the most before the bigger stores came around. But what about the mailman or lady? Our mail lady had her route for decades. My parents knew her by name and I knew her by her vehicle. The only person I didn't know was the person who delivered the paper mainly because we didn't get one and the fact that if it was delivered at it was delivered at the crack of dawn and if we did it was probably would have been my best friend's parents because they delivered the papers for a second job in the area it was just how it was i grew up in the country and everyone knew everyone it's great for the parents sucked for the kids because you couldn't do anything without anyone knowing about it and your parents finding out about it. But, oh well, that's just how it was. But for Rachel McFarlane, that's just what happened to her. She trusted someone she thought she knew. And in the end, it was just what got her killed. But did it really have to? It started that spring of 1984. And there was a break-in at Rachel McFarlane's home. Rachel didn't have that much. And I'm sure if this person had asked, she would have given him whatever she could. Rachel lived in a small converted garage that she and her husband turned into their home. And she had lived there for many years, even after her husband had died in 1967. Rachel loved her little home and took pride in it. Rachel knew her neighbors and they knew her. And she had her circle of friends that kept her very busy. I read an article that was printed a year after Rachel died, and it was one of my reference pieces by Tony Polanci. It was a beautiful piece. It talked about her childhood, her sister, and had interviews with her friends. And I honestly believe that Rachel was truly a good person, unlike what we see today or very rarely see today. And I think that if the person who had broken into her home was really in need, 
Rachel would have given what she had. I th- and I think she would have done so gladly and with a warm heart. It just sounds like the person she was. But what happened during this break-in was that in the middle of the night, Rachel heard something, got up, went to see what it was. And this is when she came face to face with the person who broke into her home. It was, of all people, the young man who used to deliver her papers, Merrill Hogue who was 20 years old at this time. But what does Rachel do? Does she scream? No. She fixes him a cup of tea and sits down with him and talks. Just talks. This is how kind she was and pure of heart. This, But what was his excuse? His car broke down. And this was according to the Erie Times newspaper article by Tony Polancy. But if his car had broke down then why not knock? Rachel had been urged by her friends and neighbors to do something, but she believed in the goodness of people. She really did. And you don't find that anymore, especially today. And maybe in a way, we should really look at Rachel and use what she had and take something away from her story, whatever it should be. And I know you're thinking, well, it got her killed. My point is, we need to step back and reevaluate ourselves and situations and start to believe in ourselves and in humanity again. Because if not, We're certainly doomed, but that's enough of my soapbox. Rachel seemed like she didn't need much to be happy. She was active and involved in several senior citizen groups and a local choir group. Rachel might not have had a lot of family, but what she lacked in family, she certainly gained in friendship through her community. She was also involved in what she was about to help a local Boy Scout, Robert Engesser, I hope I'm not butchering that too bad, who at the time was 13 years old to earn a badge. Like I said, maybe we need to take some lessons from Rachel. And we'll get back to young Engesser at in a moment. But the thing about having a circle of friends is that they know your routine. And if you don't stick to it and you forget to call to say maybe that you're sick, they'll come and check on you. And that's just what happened on Sunday, November 11th, 1984. Rachel's friends noticed that she hadn't showed for church and that wasn't like her and that she hadn't called. Let's face it, Rachel was older. It was November and she could have been very sick and at the worst had fallen and been very hurt. So a couple of friends went to Rachel McFarland's little home to check on her. And when they went to the back door, they noticed that the home looked ransacked and that there was a shirt on the knob doorknob. This friend then went around to the front of the house and had to push her way into the home. As, friend, as Rachel's friend walked through the house, she came upon Rachel laying on her bed. She knew something was wrong, and that was when she went and left with the other lady who had come with her, gone to the neighbor's home to contact the police. The following day's newspaper on November 12, 1984 from Pittsburgh Press read, Eerie Woman, 71, Slain in Her Home. Now, this was just a small piece about Rachel McFarlane, which gave her address on Stanton Street, and that she had been found by her friends, and that she had been stabbed to death. But there was no suspect at that time. But that would soon change. But what was even more sad was that the young man, Robert Enginser, the Boy Scout that Rachel had spoken was supposed to meet, he himself had died that very Monday. He was killed in a car accident. What they did end up sharing together was a place in the obituaries. Truly sad. By November 16, 1984, there was a suspect, and that too made it into the papers in the Pittsburgh press. That 
Of all people, Merle Hogue was to be held for preliminary hearing on November 23, 1984. Now, why of all people would have Merle Hogue have popped up again? In the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette on November 16, 1984, four, Merle Hogue, 20, is being held in the Erie County Jail without bond on charges of homicide, robbery, burglary, rape, and abuse of a corpse. Hogue stole $5 cash, a hearing aid, and Rachel's automobile from her home, a hunt and a hunting knife was found at the time of his arrest. Now, I want you to take that all in. $5 in cash, a hearing aid, and her car. Taking that all in because $5 in 1984 is worth a whopping $12.34 in today's money. You know you hear the saying, people have been killed for less. Well, this is pretty damn close. You can get a little over two, two gallons of gas, a meal at McDonald's, some food off the dollar menu. Hell, that's not even enough to get drugs off the street back then. Was he going to pawn her hearing aid? But what you can't get back is someone's life. Right now, I'm going to give you a trigger warning. If you do not want to listen about how Rachel died, I would suggest fast forwarding at least a good 10 to 15 seconds. After he brutally stabbed her either before or after raping her and the attack happened inside her home, the little home that Rachel took so much pride in, when Rachel's friend came looking for her and walked down her little hallway to the bedroom to find Rachel lying on her bed, later they would find out from the detective on the scene that Hogue had taken a rug from the bedroom to cover up the huge blood stain in the hallway. So not only did her friend walk over what surely was where Hogue had started to beat Rachel horribly, but so did the eerie detective that was assigned to the case. Hogue knew what he did and was trying to cover up what he had done. Not only did he try to cover the large blood stain in the hallway when Rachel was found on her bed, her face, her once smiling beautiful face, had been tied with a scarf around it. Hogue had covered what was once a sweet and gentle person because of what he had done. Not only that, could have been because he knew her and he felt shame and guilt at what he had done. We could ask him. He is still alive and he is doing time in a local prison. Hogue received life plus 34 to 68 years to a sentence. And according to justalaw.com, Hogue filed a petition writ of habeas corpus since, he's since he is serving a life term plus the extra term as a result of pleading guilty to the general count of homicide. He pled no contest to charges of burglary, robbery, abuse of a corpse, and the possession of an instrument of crime. His sentence was opposed by the Erie County Court of Common Pleas on February 10, 1986. Hogue filed a direct appeal from his, from his judgment of sentence with the PA Superior Court on February 27, 1986. On February 3, 1987, the PA Superior Court affirmed the judgment of sentence no further direct appeal was taken. Then on August 12, 1990, he filed a petition under the Post-Conviction Relief Act, the PCRA, claiming that he had ineffective assistance of trial counsel. So he had effective counsel, but the assistance he had sucked. Sorry, not sorry. This too was denied on November 8, 1990. Hogue then reappealed on November 19, 1990, on June 14, 1991, and the Superior Court affirmed the denial then, 
and no further appeal was taken. Hogue filed appeal after appeal. After appeal. 1996, 1998, 2001, 2007. The last one was filed in 2008 on May 5th, but Hogue missed the filing date by a year, so he basically wasted the court's time. And now Hogue is out of appeals. He's sitting in jail where he belongs. But what remains is Rachel was 71 years old. She never stood a chance against a 20-year-old young man. He could have taken anything he wanted and left her alone. But no, he continuously went back three times, and the third time, Rachel paid with her life. But what he did to her, he humiliated her. It wasn't about sex. It was about power and what he could take from her, and he wanted everything. Life is the ultimate to give, and it's the ultimate to take. Once you take life, how do you go back? Can you go back? That's a question to ask those in prison. Some say you can, and some say you can't, because it changes you in ways you'll never understand. That's my story for today. I hope you enjoyed it. I know it was way different than what I normally do, but this has been a pleasure to tell and speak about a wonderful person. I know there's way more to the to Rachel's story. She's she w- had just been able to find love again and then the trial. But to me just to talk about Rachel and how wonderful of a person she was to tell her story was very up- was a very uplifting piece. If you're listening to this for the first time, please go back and download the other episodes. They're available on these platforms, Facebook, Podbean.com, Spotify, and iTunes at and iTunes at All Things Eerie from Eerie PA. And I'm on in- Instagram and Twitter at K-A-T-H-Y-B-R-D-L-Y. If you have any suggestions or questions, please let me know and I'll gladly research and post the stories, or if you have written stories, I would be willing to read them. Things have been getting worse out there with the virus. Please remember, a virus doesn't care about political lines. It doesn't care about what race, ethnic background, or how wealthy you are. A virus job is to ravage whatever is in its path and will continue to do so until it's done. So please, Stay safe, stay healthy. This is Kathy signing off. Welcome to All Things Erie from Erie PA. I'm Kathy, your host, and today we're going to talk about a hometown murder that happened in Titusville, PA, which is a little bit farther south east of Erie PA. But before we get into our case today, I want to, t- to let you all know that this coming week, we have launched our new cover photo for our podcast. So please go to the platforms and take a peek at it. And those platforms are Facebook and Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and our Twitter accounts, which are Podbean, Facebook, and Spotify, which is at all things Erie from Erie PA and Twitter and Instagram is at K-A-T-H-Y-B-R-D-L-Y. I hope you enjoy it. 
I know I do, and a lovely friend designed it for me. Her name is Kira, and she's a host of a wonderful podcast called Murder or More. If you like true crime, by all means, take a pop over and listen to some of her podcast. Not only listen to her podcast, if you are really into some true crime, take a listen to this podcast. <laughs> 